This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. Today in studio with me, I have David Donaldson, the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center, and Michael Daly, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're going to talk with you a little bit about lessons learned from Canada. We, uh, as a treatment team, spent a little less than a year in Canada, north of Toronto, about two hours north, living in the woods with the bears. Mm -hmm. And our role there was to help organize and open a a U.S.-style long-term addiction treatment center. We learned a lot about a lot of things while we were there. (laughs) We learned about the many similarities in terms of difficulties managing drug and alcohol abuse. We also learned a lot about managing the disease of addiction uh, when the country is very much, for the most part, focused on harm reduction. We learned a lot about the Canadian health care system, the good, the bad, and the ugly about that. And we also learned a lot about um, dealing with regulations, licensure, other kinds of things that are very different than here in the United States. So we want to share some of those experiences with you, as well as over the last weekend, I was um, privileged to speak at the Western Canadian Addiction Forum, and the folks there that organized this very wonderful conference provided some very interesting speakers, not just myself, of course, but very interesting speakers from across Canada and a few folks like me from the U.S. In our breakout periods of time and over dinner, I was able to ask them about some of the challenges that they're facing and learning that we are facing some of the same difficulties and that we are also facing uh, very different ones. So, Lots of interesting things, lots of interesting topics. So I'm glad that we have this chance to talk about this experience. So welcome. Thank you. Hi, thank you. So glad that you can be here today. Very glad to join you. So when we had our trek to Canada and worked with people there who were interested in a longer-term addiction treatment experience, I think there was a couple of things that were surprising to me. The first was around detox, that traditionally detoxification in Canada is what we would call a social detox, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. So unlike our patients that might come in and we would assess them medically and then give them medications to taper off and stabilize them physiologically from their drugs of use, there, that was not the way it was handled. Um, um, No, it was, it was actually quite different. It was, it was, um, there were some regulations for safety um, in the sense that they needed to be within a certain distance from uh, an emergency room, Mm -hmm. but the people providing the, the detox, um, 
pretty much just had them on cots and and would give them cold rags to help them get through the the detox symptoms. Um, but they weren't um, um, utilizing medication to assist them through this process, and, and they would take vitals in order to make sure they were safe and to get them to an ER if they had to. Um, but that wasn't the the focus. Right. So. By and large, whether the person was coming off of alcohol or heroin, methamphetamine, didn't really matter. The substance, the way that they were treated was very similar. And the social model, someone being there, holding their hand, giving them Gatorade and, like you say, a cold rag, and then monitoring if somebody had really bad seizures or if they got extremely dehydrated from the nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea that people can have coming off alcohol and opiates, then a 911 call might go out and the person would be taken to the emergency room and stabilized there. So offering patients uh, medically assisted detoxification was one of the ways in which we offered uh, a semi-unique treatment modality for folks. Right. Now, it was interesting at the, the some of the providers that were not necessarily doing just a detox but had them as part of their program would um, utilize um, benzodiazepines as a means of helping him through this detox process, which was really a kind of a surprising eye-opener for, for myself in, in the sense that that would, that would be one of the issues that we would be trying to get somebody off of. Um, and it would be for them their, the, the thing that helped them with the sleep issues related to detox. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was um, unique. Now, they weren't giving the benzodiazepines in the sense that we might be on a tapering schedule or a symptom-driven schedule if your blood pressure, your heart rate, um, and various and sundry other physiological signs reached a certain level and you were coming off alcohol or benzodiazepines, then we might give you a benzo based on your symptoms and then taper those medications down. This was not necessarily for that. They were given benzos at night, particularly diazepam or Valium, which is a long-acting benzodiazepine. It's a, it has a short onset of action. It gets into your system pretty quickly, but it hangs around for days, not just a few hours, but days. And they were giving that really as a way to have everybody, regardless of their drug of use and their need for detox, they were giving that to everybody to just kind of knock them out and help them sleep. Mm-hmm. Um what was interesting for me was that they used uh, what they referred to as a harm reduction model, um, which would be to supply them with the, the safer version of whatever substance they were coming off of rather than an abstinence-based model. Um, so n- not with the mindset of them ever going towards abstinence, but just getting put on a medication that they would be safe on, quote, quote, I'm doing air quotes on the radio, but um, <laughs> that they would be safe on for mm-hmm. the duration of their life. Um and what was interesting for me in, in terms of having worked with AA and 12-step communities and absence-based communities is that the, the AA community in Toronto and in Canada was actually pretty strong, but there was really very little relationship between the, the treatment facilities and the AA communities at, when, when we were first arriving. 
And what what I thought was interesting because I I was mostly um, involved in the intake process um, was that Canada would look at the individual's right as opposed to the group's right mm -hmm. in some cases. And then they would look at the group's right rather than the individual's in other cases. So if you were admitting a person when, when they first got there and, and you knew they were going to be there for 90 days, um, you know, it was, it would, it just made sense to, to us that you would do a thorough search and make sure that somebody wasn't bringing in mm -hmm. drugs or, or other things that, that could be harmful to the community. And so we would try to help them realized that this was something that they had to do and, and they would look at us like we were crazy like oh my gosh that is a violation of their personal rights and and we can't go into their suitcases and look and and mm -hmm. and and check things um without having thought that you know what about these other 30 people that are going to be possibly subjected to you know the drugs and and whatever else they brought in and passed around you know so i i thought that was a real eye-opener mm-hmm so the also the idea around drug testing that that mm -hmm. was also a violation of someone's civil rights and an invasion of their privacy again rather than as we consider drug testing a tool to help us understand if the patient is in compliance with the treatment plan or if we need to adjust the treatment plan because the patient is continuing to use a substance or not have a substance in their system <laughs> that they're supposed to be taking. So um, some very different ways in which um, ideas were approached and uh, the, um, uh, the harm reduction model. Now, that's certainly not um, standardly accepted by all treatment centers in Canada. Please, True. let's be really right. clear about that. And there are a number of folks that do work on an abstinence-based model that do encourage interaction with 12-step communities. But that's more the minority rather than the majority. On the other hand, here in the United States, um, President Obama and Michael Botticelli, who is the uh, drug czar uh, of the U.S. currently, have been calling upon large addiction treatment centers and private addiction treatment centers across the United States to really look at an abstinence-based abstinence-only based program for people who are struggling with opioid addiction mm -hmm. and asking them to institute medication-assisted recovery or treatment for um, people who are struggling with this very lethal and really epidemic problem that we have in the United States. Well, it just it shows you that um, for addiction and, and the I think that the real um, way that you have to look at it cannot be one size fits all. Right. I mean, if you're doing a one size fits all where it's abstinence based, then of course you can't bend that rule whatsoever. In case you know, in the case of opiates or other mm -hmm. things. Um, however, when you're dealing with alcohol, that you know that tends to work very well. Very well, and there's a lot of evidence to support abstinence as the treatment of choice. But the, you know, the same people that, that argue for that then try to make the argument that, well, this works for this, so it should work for that. 
you know right that it should be across the board and and we just have to mm-hmm. you just have to go ahead and suffer through the withdrawal and you'll learn from the withdrawal that that's why you never want to go back and use again but what we know with addiction is withdrawal is not a deterrent to use at all that the most heroin addicts have lived through the state of withdrawal many many times right. and their brain will tell them oh it mm-hmm. wasn't all that bad and um, i've gotten through it before i'll get through it again because look i might be able to get really high this time um, I found another interesting distinction and something that our Congress is currently, the United States Congress is currently looking at, and that's um, in relationship to the medication-assisted recovery, the limit that people who provide buprenorphine, um, bupren- and hopefully it's only buprenorphine with naltrexone uh, combination product for opioid dependence for detox off of heroin or prescription pain medication. In the United States, uh, we have um, the Harrison Drug Act, which made it actually illegal for any doctor to prescribe a controlled substance, um, a medication um, like buprenorphine, actually, to a known drug addict. That it was against the law. Uh, that was changed, and and methadone was added briefly. Lam was added. Uh, that has since been withdrawn. But methadone was provided to opioid addicts under a federal mandate and license as a separate and. Uh, distinct program, and not every doctor, in fact, very few doctors in the United States are allowed to operate in that uh, particular modality. Then we came uh, along and got the buprenorphine products, and additional options were offered under data 2000. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about how that looks in the United States and how that looks in Canada. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, 
You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today we're talking about lessons learned from Canada. David Donaldson, Michael Daly, and myself, along with several other colleagues from Atlanta area, spent a little over a year in Canada working there to help develop a extended, um, more U.S.-style addiction treatment program. While we were there, we learned a number of important lessons. We learned a lot of good ideas from the Canadians, and we learned that they are facing a lot of the same struggles that we are in terms of the types of drugs that patients are Um, addicted to and to the difficulties that their families have. It's the same difficulties that our families here in the U.S. have, that um, there are some really good things about how the government supports recovery, and there's some huge areas that are lacking in both of our countries. So there are lots of similarities. Certainly, we see with our North American um, friends There are some differences, and I was mentioning right before the break the um, Harrison Act that made substances like marijuana and um, heroin and methamphetamine, other kinds of illicit substances, illegal, and that made it illegal to provide any kind of medication treatment for someone who was a known drug addict. Now, they very clearly separated out the difference between an alcoholic, because alcoholics, even during under the Harrison Act, you can provide them with benzodiazepines, you can provide them with phenobarbital or other medications to help them get through their withdrawal, but uh, up until the 60s, it was really illegal. And we've talked before about our friend David Smith and his group out in San Francisco that formed the Haight-Ashbury Clinic, that during that time when kids were overdosing, um, were dying from heroin, uh, that were having horrible trips using this um, the psychedelics, the LSD and other kinds of uh, substances, and uh, at, there were times when Dr. Smith and the other doctors in his free clinic were actually threatened with lawsuits, loss of their license, loss of their malpractice insurance. Uh, it, it was really uh, tough going. But the Data 2000 
movement uh, did allow some exemptions, and the first one was for doctors, uh, select doctors working in a very highly regulated clinic uh, to provide methadone for patients who are addicted to um, opioids, primarily heroin. Then we came um, and were allowed as a physician to take a a class, uh, apply for a waiver through the DEA, and be given a specific DEA number that allows us to write buprenorphine products from our offices and provide um, this medication to patients. If you're going to a methadone clinic, both here and in Canada, you have to go every day. You have to show up every day. Uh, most days you get a urine drug test. If you are not showing illicit substances or things that are against the rules in your drug test, then you're allowed to get your dose of liquid methadone. That is true here in the United States still. Those are highly regulated clinics. Um, that is the case in Canada. So when we have the buprenorphine products like Suboxone or um, other um, brand names, we um, were allowed to have the patients come in and then get a prescription that they could take their medications at home. Now, in Canada, they still treat um, buprenorphine like methadone, and the patients, at least for a certain period of time, have to show up every day to get their dose of medications. This is really hard for patients. It limits their ability to travel, certainly. It um, it limits their ability to, to live a normal and productive life when you have to go stand in line and get your get your med and then go to work or go to school or go to wherever i mean it adds a whole another <laughs> kind of um responsibility for that day right a whole lot more complications a, a lot more um stress on the individual to try and and do that and if you miss your time if the clinic closes, and often they close at noon, if the clinic closes, then you are out of luck till the next day. So it's um, it it is quite onerous on the individual to be able to manage that kind of system. Now, under the Data Two Thousand limitation and the waiver by the DEA to write um, the buprenorphine products. I am allowed, initially for the first year, I was allowed to have no more than 30 patients at any one time receiving active prescriptions. The DEA um, did allow, if you requested and had an, um, an evaluation, you could go up and treat up to 100 patients. Mm-hmm. There is now um, legislation before Congress that is looking at expanding that number to 200, 250, maybe even 500 patients. There's a lot of controversy about that, about whether or not we'll see the same kind of pill mills that we've seen with um pain management clinics that just treat a bunch of patients um, and provide prescriptions. And yet we know that uh, less than 10% of people who need treatment actually get it. It's a very small number, and there are very few doctors that are actually wavered to be able to provide this medication, and there are fewer still that 
are even though they're wavered, probably at least a third of them don't ever write buprenorphine. Mm-hmm. They they get their number, then they get scared because the DEA is going to come and audit their practice, look at their charts, make sure that you've got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. And so they're very um, concerned. They don't want to bring that level of liability upon themselves, and so they actually don't go through with it in, in terms of providing this medication for patients. Right. So in in Canada, it's not really taking off because in Canada, they still have to go every single day to get their Suboxone just like they would their methadone. Right. And um, taking the Suboxone is much more of a hassle. It's under your tongue and it has to dissolve and it takes time to do that and it's got a bad taste. Um, and, And it's got this other barrier in there that kind of blocks a lot of other things. And so... Their perception is that methadone is is just as good, if not better, and it's it's quicker and easier and much much cheaper. Um, down here, that perception exists too. There are still lots of methadone clinics that are very very busy at six o'clock in the morning. Um, um, a lot of them close even earlier than noon. Mm-hmm. I think nine o'clock is a cutoff for quite a few places. Um, um, but there are still a lot of people who are, who do that method. But one of the issues with 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 buprenorphine right now is that the there's so few doctors really getting getting a set procedure as to how to do it appropriately right there's some docs who'll get a person up to the maximum dose um you know in a very short period of time a Mm -hmm. week and and then get them stabilized at the maximum dose and then begin tapering um and and other doctors who want to keep it as low as possible and and so it's it's a real mixed message for the for the general population is where do you go to get effective, safe, and consistent treatment with buprenorphine? Right. But the key word there is treatment with. With treatment, yes, yes. yes. Because there's certainly a lot of doctors who write the script and don't provide anything else. Right. And that's not treatment. That's just maintenance. Right. And um, one of the um, important tenets of the um, ASAM guidelines for um, medication-assisted recovery is that um, the individual also be involved in a cognitive behavioral program, a therapy program, a 12-step support program, some sort of additional treatment besides here's your medication and this is all you need to do. So um, that is one of the differences um, between what we see here in the U.S. and what we we find in Canada is that the harm reduction model is not looking necessarily for the patient to move to abstinence or to get back to their life necessarily. It's to get you off the street, not be using needles. Uh, The reduction in the harm by taking methadone or buprenorphine is that you are not at risk now for getting HIV or hepatitis C and that you're not involved in illegal activities. So you've reduced the harm to the individual and you've reduced the harm to the community, but you have not necessarily treated the disease of addiction and you have not helped that person get back the life that they had before drugs and alcohol took over their life. And and many of the people... At least from the articles that I've read and, and looked at, they they look at addiction as a symptom mm-hmm. 
rather than the disease. Right. So it's a symptom of something else. It's 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 an action that you're taking to overcome your inner child or you know your your extreme trauma. Mm-hmm. Abuse or trauma or something that has happened to you, whether it's something you remember or not, but mm-hmm. something that's having to be medicated um, and and you might need to be on the medication for the rest of your life and we're not going to do other treatment because it would be an imposition to put that onto a person right. respecting the people's mm-hmm. rights. The um, That social engineering um, is all I can think about when they're talking about harm reduction um, and the use of medica- medical assist- medication-assisted recovery. Um, the, the way you talked about harm reduction initially is, uh, is what I always had understood, you know, mm-hmm. that it was to help a person not necessarily contract HIV or, or commit a crime um, and help them sustain on clean needles or on their, medic- dr- their drug but not really expect anything else. We're just going to stop the harm at this point. Very, very different from my view of medicated assist- medication-assisted recovery. Which is to help the person regain the things that addiction has taken from them, reintroduce them to their community, their families, and hopefully get them back on track. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about other lessons learned from our northern neighbors. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I have Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center with me today. And we're talking about lessons learned from Canada, the good, the bad, and the um, inconsistent, I guess we would say. There, again, are many similarities, and there are certainly many doctors and treatment centers that hold a similar view to what I think we do. Um, there are many treatment centers in this country that don't agree with medication-assisted recovery that are abstinence only. And there are many treatment centers in Canada, much less so here in the United States, that are more along the lines of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, harm reduction in the trauma model of addiction is much more the the mainstream look and treatment model for Canada. Again, there there are certainly a number of um, centers and uh, doctors that do provide quality uh, treatment with a goal towards the patient getting back into active participation in their life. Mm-hmm. But and and throughout the recovery community, there's always been this debate about when you're in recovery. Are you in recovery if you're just abstinent from alcohol, but you still are taking medication, or if you're still taking, if you're still using marijuana, or if you're still using something else? Are you can you say you're in recovery or not? And and so, um, I th- I think that when we look at medication-assisted recovery, there are a lot of people in the recovery community who say that's all well and good, but you're not really in recovery yet, and as soon as you're done with all of that, then then you can start counting your days and you'll be in recovery at that point. There are a lot of other people who say you're in recovery once you say you're in recovery and once you surrender your will to the doctor who's managing the medications or to your honesty with your sponsor about what's going on. Um, but, but the whole guide with all of that is this medication is helping the person in the recovery process um, so that they're not back to using and they're able to get on with their lives and hopefully getting to a point where they're eventually going to be abstinent. Um, as opposed to harm reduction, which which my understanding of harm reduction was abstinence was never a part of the question. Recovery wasn't really even a part of the question. It was just about really stopping the progression of the disease or stopping the the potential harm of the disease by by providing providing the substances in a controlled way rather than on the street. Right, or needle exchanges. Needle so exchanges. So that you can come in and and get. Bring your used needles so they're not on the street for others to get and use and, and be contaminated by, and we'll give you a new clean syringe, and we'll give you uh, a place to inject that's clean, and um, and we'll provide that kind of support, but we're not going to talk to you about not doing drugs or about not taking medications or that's not the purpose. The purpose is strictly let's reduce your harm and the harm to others, but you are allowed to continue to use your drugs, alcohol, in whatever way you choose. Mm-hmm. And they'll even talk about it as recognizing that you have a disease, but it's it's your right to decide how you're going to best treat that disease, if you're going to treat that disease, and, and we can at least reduce the harm for you and for society in helping determine mm-hmm. how you get it. 
I think probably for me the most extreme example of some of the difficulties with um, the harm reduction model that is embraced by um, folks particularly in the East Hastings area of British Columbia and Vancouver. Um, This particular place has actually become a ghetto Mm -hmm. in many ways that people become prisoners of this four or five block radius uh, area where individuals are provided with drugs, provided with needles, provided with a place to stay, provided with some medical support, and because of their disease of addiction and because getting treatment and improving their physical, emotional, and spiritual state is not the goal of it. Uh, it rather, it is, let's keep you off the street, let's keep you from being a, a victim of crime or perpetuating crime, and let's keep you contained. It, it reminds me of, like, a modern-day, um, the tombs of of uh leper right the know, leper colonies. colonies yeah i mean that's what i think of when when I, i've read the book or read you know some of the thing about east tastings that it, it's basically a place where you go into you live a very dark and 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 certainly maybe not harming anyone and not harming yourself but you're certainly not not making, living. Right. You're not living. You're just existing. And um, they started a number of years ago uh, some very interesting studies in this particular part of Vancouver, um, which involve the use of heroin and dilaudid being given to patients that for patients that have, and I'm doing air quotes now, David, um, (laughs) that have, quote, failed buprenorphine, that have failed methadone, that haven't been able to stay clean and sober, that have used on top of those drugs, they are offered the use of um, pharmaceutical-grade IV heroin or IV Dilaudid, both of which are very potent, very potentially life-threatening in and of themselves because of the risk of overdose. And they are, this is provided to them without charge by the um, provincial government of British Columbia with the goal to determine whether this is a better treatment modality for people to let them have their drug of choice, let them have their drug of choice given to them in a safer way because it's not cut with who knows what Mm -hmm. that other heroin is cut with because it is provided in a sterile place where people are watching to make sure that they don't overdose and die, um, where they're given needles and Band-Aids and alcohol swabs to clean the area. The difficulty is that these medications have, and I use the word medication because Dilaudid is a medication that is often used for post-op pain. Heroin is used in some countries as an actual pain medication. But um, this, these medications have to be taken multiple times a day. So these individuals that are on this particular type of program called Salome, and the earlier study was Naomi, um, these folks on these programs 
have to come into the clinic. Using air quotes. Using air quotes three times a day. Mm -hmm. And so we have the great limitations of the methadone clinic, but at least a person can come in and get methadone or buprenorphine and then go to work or go to school if they choose. People who are having to come back and inject multiple times because of the very short half-life of both dilaudid, or uh, which is called hydromorphone, or diacetylmorphine, also known as heroin, the sh- ha- short half-life require that these folks come back more frequently and multiple times a day. Well, and my question is, what are they doing to ensure that these people aren't using cocaine or using alcohol or using benzos on top of all this stuff. I mean, certainly they're they're giving them the heroin or, or the dilaudid, but they're drug testing and the studies have shown that they have decreased the use of illicit substances by 40%. Oh. So 60% of the patients are still using mm-hmm. or hair uh, well they're no, using no, they're others. using other other drugs in addition to the heroin or the okay, dilaudid. Okay. Um, and they're randomized to either one of the arms of this um, project. Once the person has completed their time in the, in the project, and um, like I say, uh, Salome is the one that's currently, uh, Naomi has completed, and then that was looking specifically comparing methadone to heroin. Um, Salome is looking at heroin compared to um, dilaudid um, as preferred treatment modalities. Um, they're, they're showing that the advantage is that the patients stay more engaged. Uh, an increased number of patients will continue to come to the clinic uh, above the ones that will go to a methadone clinic. Uh, that they um, 40% less use of uh, other illicit substances. But the use of illicit substances isn't a reason to stop that person from being in the study or stop that person from having access to the heroin. Once the person has finished that, then the doctors who are involved in the study are able to apply to the government for a humanitarian extension of the the use of whichever drug, and um, a majority of folks that have been in the study so far have been allowed to continue on on the heroin. So they're still on the heroin at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, with at, without any actual real hope well, of being. There's no off real the heroin. Hope. Right. 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 It's just to maintain them. Um. So the the look um, that the idea behind this is the epidemic of opioids, mostly heroin, but other prescription drugs, um, is huge in Canada. They use even more uh, per capita than we use here in the United States. Prescription opioids, per pain medications. Um, since it's so big, they need a variety of treatment modalities. Is the rationale between behind? Let's try this experiment. Um, let's do this clinical study looking at should we prescribe people heroin and just let them use it and keep it contained and safe. The downside to me and of great concern to many of my colleagues in Canada is the fact that um, this really does keep people trapped in their disease and it really does 
even more limit their ability to escape from and and get into recovery. Well, and it seems like it's it's not only putting a lot of resources into continuing the the disease itself, but it's also deciding that this sector of people are never ever going to be a active part of society again, and we're going to keep them contained in this little town. And it's scary. Um, please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. We're talking about lessons learned from Canada. And again, there is many... um, there are many great researchers, great clinicians, um, people who are fighting very hard for the disease of addiction as we understand it to be appropriately treated. There are also some individuals who have a lot of notoriety. One um, gentleman in particular, Gabor Matei, he is a family practice a physician who's originally from Hungary, and he practices in Vancouver. He's actually spent a lot of time in the East Hastings part of um, um, Vancouver and has written a book that has become very popular, very famous, called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts about that experience in East Hastings. 
he has um, done what some, in fact, many folks and a lot of people in the government have considered really gone rogue in terms of his latest uh, attempts to treat uh, addiction. He is certainly a firm believer and one of the foremost proponents of the idea that everyone who has the disease of addiction has had an extremely traumatic, neglectful, abusive childhood, and that because of this pain and emptiness that folks feel from this uh, severe trauma, that they started using drugs and alcohol, and that um, they um, need... Uh, looking at the source of the problem, which is a social problem, as opposed to this is a biological problem, a genetically inherited problem, that there, in my opinion, there are plenty of people who unfortunately have had very traumatic lives who do not grow up to be drug addicts, and there are also many people whom I know that have the disease of addiction that have not had traumatic abusive, neglectful lives. He claims every woman that he has treated for addiction has been sexually abused. He gives a number of 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly not been my experience. Yes, um, abuse and neglect can complicate uh, someone's recovery and make their lives more difficult, but that is a factor to consider in the treatment plan, it is not, in my opinion, the cause. This is a genetically inherited brain disease. But he has taken this one step further and has been providing a very potent um, hallucinogenic product, a substance called ayahuasca, and another substance called ibogaine. Um, These particular hallucinogens cause a very powerful uh, reaction starting with nausea and extreme vomiting. This can last for a few hours to a few days. He claims that this part of the process is the purging of the pain and the trauma and that then the uh, spiritual experience that can occur when someone is under the influence of these medications or herbs, plants, I'm not sure what to call them, substances, um, that that is how they actually become healed from their disease of addiction. And this has gone so far that the Canadian government has actually threatened to remove his medical license and provide him with um, some criminal um, consequences if he does not stop. His primary target has been First Nations people or the Aboriginal um, people from uh, Canada because, again, they are overrepresented in terms of having the disease of addiction. Um, but this has been um, a very controversial, and this has raised a lot of. Well, and and the idea of trauma is so so preached upon the First Nations and the Aboriginal people in the sense that they've had such a national trauma that's happened to them um, that that they continually are having having revisited upon them each consecutive generation that the idea that we're going to go in there and. and expand their minds with this particular plant-based substance and and help them to 
heal from that so that they never ever have to think about addiction again. I mean that that aspect of these these two herbs are things that we've been hearing about here in the states for a while, and mm-hmm. we actually get calls about them um, asking where we would send somebody if they wanted to have that that service provided, and, and that's not something that we would recommend at all. Um, I mean the the myth that's out there is you go use this one time and you have this mind-blowing experience and your addiction is cured, period. And so it is preached just like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you read in, in one of these articles where it talks about it, he's had three or four people that have asked to to do it again. Right. Which just tells me, hmm, something didn't work right the, the first, first time. time. Or it worked really, really well. <laughs> and they, and they want to go for it again. I think it's... Um, I think it's very um, difficult because, first of all, in both Canada and the United States, these substances are illegal. They are not allowed to be used, and they are listed as Schedule One, meaning no therapeutic value has been established. Just like the arguments around medical marijuana, that there is a medicinal effect unique to this plant um, that should be used regardless of its source, its purity, um, whether or not the person is stable to take this kind of um, experience. It, it is so far from the practice of medicine <laughs> or scientific in, or scientific in, uh, as to be actually laughable, except there are people that are believing this and are going to great lengths and great expense to have these uh, ayahuasca journeys or treatment with ibogaine. Very expensive. Dr. Um, Matei uh, reports that he's treated about 200 people, many of them First Nations folks in the Vancouver area, and um, that he has had some success. Uh, of course, there's not really reports of what, how he defines that or what that means or how long the effect lasts. But, um, again, it's this kind of sensationalism that um, I think does a real disservice to many people who are looking for a quick fix, that want a cure, don't want to accept this is a chronic illness that is a long-term hard road, and, um, and it discounts much of the science that we know about the brain disease Mm-hmm. and makes uh, people go searching for the trauma that they may not have uh, even experienced. And you know, so much of this stuff comes from from the studies of Rat Park. Right. And, and, and the doctor who did the design around Rat Park, who talked about all of these rats that were supposedly addicted to heroin, but when they were put in this nice... Um, place where they could run around and play and had all their friends, they stopped using heroin. Um, and that Vietnam vets came back and they had that same experience. But what you never really hear about is the percentage of the ones who did not actually stop using heroin. Um, my mom's been a, a nurse with the VA system and worked with addiction for years and years there. And, and I can tell you many, many veterans that came back from Vietnam did not just immediately stop using heroin once they got back into their nice, happy homes. And they were in and out of the VA system for years and years dealing with heroin addiction. There's that percentage, and it's pretty much 10%, regardless of the substance, that's dealing with addiction. And, and it's not a matter of... of 
happy homes and running and, and spinning wheels that that makes you feel safe and fine and not want to use. The brain of the addict wants to use. No matter what. No matter how good things are, no matter how bad things are. No and matter it wants what to kind use of trip you go on. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say, it, if, if it can't use X, it'll go for Y, you know? And we know people that have had the use of hallucinogens as part of their addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, that has created, you know, for them a compulsion to use and a desire to keep using. So do we know everything about the disease of addiction? No, we do not. Are there many areas in which we are lacking in good science and uh, really good defined treatment? Uh, As you were mentioning earlier, David, the idea of what is good buprenorphine treatment. Uh, Is it, you know, come in once a month, take the highest dose available, and we'll, we'll see you? Or is it part of a... Uh, supportive psychosocial spiritual physical treatment we we need this data but we also need to be very careful about getting sucked down the rabbit hole so to speak <laughs> and um offering the quick fix or the cure right now we really don't have a cure but this disease is certainly very manageable many people are able to get and stay in good sustained recovery and live happy healthy productive lives and we wish you all healthy happy productive week and we'll see you next time on detailing addiction this is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.